the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on this weekend before Christmas. Instead of an interview this weekend, I'm going to bring you to the Vatican and to the Eternal City, and together we will explore how Christmas and the New Year are celebrated in this magnificent and magical city. Because of COVID and variants, rules are changing here almost on a daily basis. Rules about large numbers of people gathering, etc. Some events have been or are being downsized, but I still want to give you a general idea of how Christmas is celebrated in this magical land. I will look at traditions, old ones and recently inaugurated, how families celebrate, what special dishes they eat, the great importance of nativity scenes in families and churches and institutions and public squares. And I'll bring you to all the places you must visit during the Christmas and New Year season. I start our visit at the Vatican, so be sure to stay tuned after the news for that special. And now to the news. An incredibly busy week for the Holy Father, as you're about to hear. Sunday, December 12th. Sunday at the Angelus, after reflecting on the Gospel of the day, the Holy Father prayed for beloved Ukraine, for its churches, religious communities, and people. He urged the international community to resolve tensions in Ukraine through serious dialogue and not with arms, saying he was saddened to hear that in the past year more weapons had been produced by arms dealers than the year before. Arms are not the way, he said, before adding his hope that this Christmas might bring Ukraine peace. He also said he was praying for victims of the tornadoes that struck at least five U.S. states on Sunday, causing widespread devastation and leaving scores of people dead. Monday, December 13th. The Holy Father, in fact, sent his condolences to those in the United States who were affected by deadly storms over the weekend in a telegram to Archbishop Jose Gomez, head of the U.S. Catholic bishops. Francis offered his heartfelt prayers that Almighty God will grant eternal peace to those who have died, comfort those who mourn their loss, and strength to all those affected by this immense tragedy. He also sent his gratitude to rescue and health care personnel and to all engaged in caring for the injured, the grieving families, and those left homeless. Also Monday and for the next two days, the Pope and the Council of Cardinal Advisors met at the Santa Marta residence. The Pope was only absent Wednesday morning to preside at the general audience. Also Monday, Pope Francis, in an audience in the Paul VI Hall, congratulated the Seraphic Institute of Assisi on its 150th anniversary and said their mission of caring for children and young people with disabilities is based on a mutual exchange of gifts. Francis expressed his heartfelt congratulations for the anniversary celebrations and recalled his 2013 meeting with the Institute during his first pilgrimage to Assisi and the many children who embraced him during that visit. They are the center of your mission, he said, referring to the children and young people with physical, mental, and sensory disabilities whom the Institute seeks to assist and educate. Tuesday, December 14th. 
In a telegram, Pope Francis expressed his grief and assured his closeness to the citizens of Ravenusa, a Sicilian town where several buildings collapsed last Saturday due to a blast caused by a suspected gas leak. Also Tuesday, the heads of the French Bishops' Conference met with the Pope on what is an annual visit, during which Francis praised the dignity of French bishops in tackling abuse crisis. An outside agency hired by the conference to explore sex abuse cases came out with a damning report on October 5th. Wednesday, December 15th. In his catechesis at the general audience, Pope Francis reflected on St. Joseph's silence in the Gospel. St. Joseph, with his silence, invites us to make room for the presence of the Word made flesh, for Jesus. Joseph's silence was not mutinous, he said, but instead a silence full of listening, an industrious silence, a silence that brings out his great interiority. In his own earthly life, Jesus, too, had this experience of silence, said the Pope, with the daily example of Mary and Joseph. He sought spaces of silence and invited his disciples to have such an experience as well. Silence, said Francis, can be frightening because it asks us to delve into ourselves and confront the truest part of us. He invited everyone to cultivate spaces for silence in which another word can emerge, that of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This will involve being careful of our speech, which, if unchecked, can become evil, and our words can become flattery, bragging, lies, backbiting, and slander. Before the general audience, the Pope greeted the artists who would perform Thursday in the 2021 Christmas concert in the Vatican, and he thanked them for the support that the proceeds of the show will bring to educational projects in Lebanon and Haiti. He also told them they were using their talents to spread the tenderness, joy, and hope of Christmas. Thursday, December 16th, the Holy Father welcomed to the Vatican President Sergio Mattarella of Italy as the president nears the end of his seven-year mandate in January. Also Thursday, the Vatican announced that Pope Francis has established the Fratelli Tutti Vatican Foundation within the Fabrica of San Pietro. The new institution aims at investing in cultural and spiritual formation through events, experiences, pathways, and spiritual exercises in order to promote the principles of the Pope's 2020 encyclical by that name. Friday, December 17th, Pope Francis celebrated his 85th birthday with best wishes arriving from around the world from men and women of all faiths. In the morning in the Paul VI Hall, as he listened to the Friday Advent Sermon, he was applauded by ranking members of the Roman Curia. Friday, the Pope received a first group of about 10 refugees who had arrived in Italy Thursday thanks to an agreement between the Holy See and Italian and Cypriot authorities. This had already been anticipated during his apostolic journey to Cyprus and Greece. The group will be supported directly by the Holy Father, while the community of Sant'Egidio will take care of their inclusion in a one-year integration program. Also Friday, Francis received letters of credence from seven new ambassadors to the Holy See, and he invited the international community to further a culture of encounter in service to the common good. The new ambassadors are from Moldova, Kyrgyzstan, Namibia, Lesotho, Luxembourg, Chad, and Guinea-Bissau. 
These ambassadors represent countries that do not have residential ambassadors in Rome. Rather, their embassy is a mission located in a country other than that to which it is accredited. Those are the news stories, but now don't move. Stay here for my special on how Christmas is celebrated in the splendor of Rome and the Vatican. Okay, I've been a Catholic for five years, but I suffered under a lot of things due to my Protestantism as a Pentecostal, and I just want to personally ask God to bless you your ministry, for everything you do, and the help that you give people. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. Wherever you are in the world, you can access the EWTN Global Catholic Network. It's everywhere. You can get EWTN's great Catholic programming on your car radio, at home on your TV, computer, or smart speaker. With EWTN's app, you can take EWTN everywhere on your phone or mobile device. If you want your news in print, turn to EWTN's paper of record, the National Catholic Register. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Prayer can take on many different forms. It could be a simple gaze up to the heavens, glorifying God for the beauty of His creation. It could be a cry for help in time of need. It could be a request for some good that you think you need in your life. All these things can be spontaneous and informal. But prayer can also be formal, as in the Our Father, which Jesus taught us to pray, and the highest formal prayer, the sacrifice of the Mass. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Instead of an interview this weekend before Christmas, I'm going to bring you to the Vatican and to the Eternal City, and together we will explore how Christmas and the New Year are celebrated in this magnificent and magical part of the world. Because of COVID, rules are changing here almost on a daily basis. Rules about large numbers of people gathering, etc., Some events have been or are being downsized, but I want to give you a general idea of how Christmas is celebrated in this magical land. However, we must never forget the reason for the season. No matter where we are, no matter how small the gathering, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And the Holy Family, of course, is a model for all families. On the birth of their son, there were no beautiful trees, no fancy wrappings for presents, no gorgeous home decorations. None of those can equal the uniqueness of this day we call Christmas. Welcome to Rome, where the churches, piazzas, fountains, and palazzi are old, but the spirit is young. Welcome to a city whose traffic, irrational parking, and inconsistent store hours can drive you to distraction but whose magic persuades you to come back frequently, if not to stay forever, as I decided to do decades ago. The bureaucracy can be maddening, and quite often the Italians use their inexplicable knack of finding the longest possible route to accomplishing a task. But that's all part of the fun. Italians have managed for millennia to deal with the idiosyncrasies of life here, described by one writer as the splendid eternal chaos. Italians roll with the punches. In Italy, this is called l'arte di arrangiarsi, the knack of getting along. 
If something isn't working, they shrug their shoulders and they say pazienza, patience, and eventually it works. You'll be enchanted by Rome and by the Vatican, as millions have been before you. The magic is there. It pulsates, vibrates, and defies description. It's in the history, the art, the majestic basilicas, elegant bridges, splendid piazzas, cobblestone streets, bubbling fountains, and symphony of church bells. The magic is in the smile of a flower vendor, the rich baritone of a waiter who unexpectedly serenades you, or the exuberance of a child playing with the pigeons in Piazza Navona. It's in the air of a deserted city on a Sunday morning, when the city seems to belong to you alone, or the startling quiet of St. Peter's Square in pre-dawn hours, as black-robed Monsignori hurry along to say Mass. It's in the joy of gathering with friends to dine in some of the most scrumptious cooking this side of paradise. If you've guessed I love Rome, you're certainly right. And even though I cannot personally show you around Rome at the beautiful and blessed time of Christmas, we can visit it together through this program. All of Rome's magical beauty is magnified, or so it seems, at Christmas. The flower stands are awash in red, of course, as poinsettias flood the floral market. Hotels and stores put on their Christmas finery, and hundreds of streets and piazzas in the center and on the periphery of Rome string miles of twinkling lights across them, welcoming the resident or visitor with auguri, best wishes, or buon Natale, Merry Christmas. If you're used to the Christmas lights and decorations found on homes and in stores and malls in the United States, this is not quite as lavish, but Italy has its own charm. There are, as you can imagine, some very special occasions and very special places to visit during the Christmas season here in Rome and at the Vatican. Let's start our visit at the Vatican. In 1982, Pope St. John Paul decided that St. Peter's Square should have a nativity scene flanked by a Christmas tree. For years, the Vatican's engineers and technical services departments created stunning presepi, the Italian word for nativity scene. They changed the theme in the buildings every year. With cost-cutting measures enacted a few years ago at the Vatican, the work of building a nativity scene was outsourced, so to speak, and regions of Italy or other countries in Europe and even organizations offered to host a presepe in the famous square. Christmas trees in the square are also special, with tall, majestic trees donated over the decades by Austria, Germany, Switzerland, Slovenia, countries adjacent to Italy, and various regions of Italy. Workers usually spend one week securing the tree in place and decorating it, and placing the giant star that glows on and off at the top. It beckons one and all to come to St. Peter's Square, especially at night with the thousands of lead lights now used. Whatever country donates the tree for St. Peter's Square usually also donates a number of smaller trees for the Papal Apartments, the Paul VI Hall, and other halls and offices of the Roman Curia. Unfortunately, few can be seen by outsiders, and I'm really sorry for this, because I've been privileged to see a number of them, and they are wonderfully decorated. You must, of course, go into St. Peter's Basilica and see the nativity scene there. It's on the left aisle, close to the basilica entrance. Before we leave the Vatican, I'd like to tell you about the blessing of the Bambinelli, the statues of baby Jesus, and this takes place on the third Sunday of Advent, which is really quite lovely, as that is Gaudete Sunday. 
a Sunday for rejoicing that falls midway between the start of Advent, a liturgical season of anticipation, and the joy of Christmas Day, when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is born. Children of all ages and from all over Rome, and sometimes other towns and cities in Italy, bring statues of the baby Jesus to be blessed by the Pope at the end of the Angelus. These statues will be placed in the cribs of nativity scenes in homes and schools. Often you will see a child holding up two or even three statues for the papal blessing, as they bring baby Jesus for a friend who could not come that day. This tradition was started by St. Pope Paul VI in December 1969. The presepe or presepio is traditionally the main focus of Christmas decorations in Italy, in homes, in schools, in workplaces, and of course in the thousands of churches throughout the land. You can walk into any church in Rome at Christmas time and you will find a nativity scene, small or large, rustic or citified, simple or elegantly crafted by specialists. Make sure you have your camera with you and pop in and out of Roman churches and basilicas to document this beautiful tradition. A number of restaurants even feature lovely nativity scenes. From the Latin word presepium, presepe loosely means stall, and it refers to the scene of the newborn Jesus Christ sleeping in a simple country manger and attended by his parents and later kings who came from afar. Christians have long incorporated visual presentations of this nativity scene or creche into their seasonal customs. In the 4th and 5th centuries, the nativity and the adoration of the Magi were common themes for church decorations. In 1223, Presepi gained fame with St. Francis of Assisi, who arranged his own living nativity scene, a straw-filled, animal-laden stall set in a grotto in the town of Greccio. This has been replicated every year since then. In the 18th century, Neapolitan fashion dictated the transformation of Presepi from assemblies of rustic miniatures to grand spreads of intricately sculpted figurines in elaborately conceived architectural plans. Entire towns and villages are recreated, with hundreds of figures placed on hills, in fields, in homes and piazzas. There are aqueducts, trees, running water, fireplaces, people at work and children at play. Such nativity scenes can be seen throughout Italy today. They are often breathtaking in size and scope, in their beauty, and their incredible attention to the smallest detail. Churches in Rome, known for their spectacular presepi or nativity scenes, include Santa Maria in Via and Largo Chigi, Saints Cosmas and Damian, the Gesù, and Santa Maria in Araceli, with its 16th-century presepio and the famous wood statue of a rather plump baby Jesus known as Il Santo Bambino, the Holy Child. Today, one can see only a copy of this statue, as the original 15th-century statue, made from wood from the Garden of Gethsemane in Jerusalem, was stolen in 1994 and sadly never recovered. Baby Jesus was not even offered for ransom. Watching over an altar strewn with letters and mail to him, the Santo Bambino resides in a secluded chapel at the back of the church, with his rosy-cheeked face poking out of swaddling clothes, rich with gold and pearls. Come midnight on Christmas Eve, however, he's lifted from his bejeweled case to join the ceremony on the Capitoline Hill in his honor. 
Romans and tourists alike climb the 124 candlelit steps leading up to Santa Maria in Araceli to view the baby in his manger in the church's presepe and to bestow upon him the traditional epiphany kiss. The church gets many letters addressed to the Holy Child, and these are placed before the statue unopened. After all, they're for baby Jesus, not for the priests. Really special is St. Mary Major Basilica. Under the high altar is the Crypt of the Nativity, or Bethlehem Crypt, with a crystal reliquary designed by Giuseppe Valadier and said to contain wood from the Holy Crib of the Nativity of Jesus Christ. Pope Francis in 2019 authorized a very small fragment of this crib reliquary to be returned to Bethlehem in Palestine. Also in St. Mary Major is the burial place of St. Jerome, the 4th century doctor of the church who translated the Bible into the Latin language, the Vulgate. A must-visit nativity scene is that built by Rome's Netturbini or street cleaners of AMA, the Municipal Waste Management Company. Located just minutes from St. Peter's Square on a small side street, Via dei Cavalleggeri No. 5, this is actually open all year round. Pope John Paul visited this presepe all but the last two years of his 26-year pontificate. Other visitors have included Pope Benedict XVI, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and a succession of Rome's mayors and Italian politicians. Tucked away in an ex-storeroom on a side street near St. Peter's Basilica, you can easily think you are mistaken when you walk up to the building in a setting that is so humble and unpretentious that anyone not in the know would walk right past. The entrance, in fact, is a doorway leading into a courtyard that houses an unprepossessing block of premises belonging to Ama. There are, however, signs on nearby streets that lead the visitor to this site. The crib scene is an extraordinary work of craftsmanship and was the brainchild of Giuseppe Iani, an ex-AMA employee now retired. Every year since 1972, when he built the first nativity scene, Iani has added new features, houses, bridges, and aqueduct here and there. His work mirrors that of many other entities, such as firemen, policemen, and the like, who make their own manger scene at Christmas. Like most traditional cribs, the Amma manger scene is a fanciful representation of the town of Bethlehem, incorporating a number of Roman monuments and set within a grotto. The buildings are all constructed in masonry and can withstand, it is said, the weight of three men. The manger scene, which started as a little cluster of houses at the very back of the grotto, has expanded over the years as Iani patiently added more and more elements. It consists of a hundred houses that blaze with individual lights representing hearth fires and oil lamps glowing behind doors and shutters, thanks to a complex wiring job involving 100 light bulbs set up by AMA fellow worker Gabriele Tassotti. Three rivers crossed by seven bridges flow for a total of nine meters through the town. Two of these feed a 16-meter-long, 52-feet, Roman aqueduct that snakes through the heart of the composition. This aqueduct is made of marble pieces from Bernini's Colonnade of St. Peter's that were discarded when it was restored in 1999. Other marble fragments were used to build many of the 870 stone steps connecting the cobbled streets and houses. 
However, one of the most fascinating parts of this particular manger scene is its concrete base. This is encrusted with over 1,400 different stones brought by pilgrims and visitors from all over the world. 150 different places are represented here. You might also want to visit the 100 Cribs or Cento Presepi exhibit, which has found its way into Rome's cultural, tourist, and social life. Under the auspices of the Pontifical Council for the Promotion of the New Evangelization, the exhibit is now hosted under the left-hand colonnade of St. Peter's Square. There are countless masterpieces from Italy and around the world in this exhibit, and it is well worth a visit as you behold nativity scenes made of coral, silver, porcelain, iron, wood, papier-mâché, and recycled materials. Piazza Navona, one of Rome's most beautiful and popular squares, until recently was a huge Christmas market in December, with stands selling nativity figures, Christmas trees, ornaments, lights, sweets, toys, and a few surprises as well. Some things have been downsized here, but the historical square is always magical. Piazza Navona has forever been a favorite destination for children for another reason. It's a tradition that each year, each family or child will pick out one new figurine for the family nativity scene that is built at home. And Navona, Piazza Navona, in December has always been a great place to find these terracotta figurines. Now, however, the real capital of figurine-making is Naples. The place to go is Via San Gregorio Armeno. Just Google Naples and the words nativity scene or presepe. The last few years, Santa on a rope ladder has also become fashionable. There are roofs for Santa and his sleigh to land, but there are very few chimneys, so how can we get Santa into homes? Thus, a cloth Santa on a ladder gets hung from windowsills. On Christmas Eve... A meatless dinner is traditionally eaten with one's family, followed by a visit to a nativity scene and midnight mass. Many midnight masses actually now start in the late evening, such as that presided over by the popes in St. Peter's Basilica. It is now called the Christmas Vigil Mass. Another popular Christmas figure you will find here and in many stores is the Befana, a witch-like figurine who rides a broomstick and brings coal to bad children and candy to good children. Befana is a breakdown of the word epiphany, and many, in fact, call her the epiphany witch because she arrives the night of the epiphany to fill children's stockings with her gifts. Epiphany is, of course, January 6th and the 12th day of Christmas when the wise men gave baby Jesus their gifts. In some families, Epiphany is a bigger celebration than Christmas. Yet another Italian tradition is to buy a small ornament-sized broom with Christmas ribbons on it. This is called a scacciaguai and symbolizes the sweeping away of one's troubles. I hope sometime you will have the privilege and the joy, the honor and the fun of being in Rome and coming to the Vatican at Christmas time. In the meantime, wherever you are, I wish you and yours a blessed, happy, fulfilling, and healthy Christmas and New Year. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.